0: cool thanks for your love and support in advance simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website and it'll take you where you need to go now on to the show welcome to the prolific writer podcast where speed's the name of the game Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your host, Ryan Pelton, and welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where we are committed, dedicated to writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So, however you found us, welcome. Glad you're here. This is episode number 11, and I can't believe it's number 11 already. It seems every week we add another episode, and it goes up by one number. It's quite astounding. And so, uh, good to have you with us, and have a really fun, inspiring, encouraging interview with Wayne Stanette. And I don't know if you've heard about Wayne. Uh, Wayne is a very prolific author, prolific writer, who is famous for his... Jesse McDermott series that's set in the keys of Florida and all over Florida, and and we had a great discussion, uh, encouraging, inspiring discussion about writing, and you could just hear his passion and his voice of just the love he has for writing and that he gets to do this for a full-time job, and he talks about his background. He was in the military. He was a truck driver before becoming a full-time author and really just had this love of stories and wanted to get him out in the world and and now uh, through indie publishing and, and through writing his books, uh, he's been able to do that and provide a, a nice living for his family. And so really uh, just an encouraging, inspiring uh, episode. And hopefully you find some encouragement, whether you're just starting out or whether you've been writing for a long time and had a great time talking to Wayne and, and just a, a great guy. Uh, lives in South Carolina, and uh, we just talked about a lot of different things related to the the writing craft and his his career and and just learning a lot from him. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, look up his name Wayne Stannett on Amazon. He has a great actually nonfiction book uh, that many of you might know, but it's uh, I forget the exact title off the top of my head. I'll put it in the in the show notes, but uh, it's about be going from a truck driver to uh, a writer. And it's just, I read it uh, a few months ago and it was just really encouraging and inspiring. So so look for that interview coming up in just a few moments here. Just a couple of things, checking in. Uh, don't have a ton of updates, uh, but I wanted to just update on my word count for January and have a little challenge for the year. I'm hoping to get uh, over half a million words this year. And uh, one of the things I I started doing that I I don't always do is keep keeping track of my word count. And and I don't always do that, but uh, I I do it at times. I usually keep track of a word count on per project, but I've been trying to uh, keep it globally uh, per month, uh, per project, uh, and kind of get an idea of my production schedule. And and really the only reason to do that is just to keep me in the writing flow. It's just a habit. It's a discipline. It's a muscle that you have to flex like any other muscle. And I want to just kind of see where I'm at and see what's my average work count. And and I'm always working on multiple projects. So it's, it's between a bunch of different projects. And that also includes blogging and, and other things. But, uh, but so at the end of January, we're recording this the beginning of February, February uh, 4th, I believe. Um, well, end of full month of January, and that was with uh, one or two days off I for vacation or, or some other reason, uh, I had over 42,000 words for the month. So that was pretty good. My goal was 50,000. So I was about 8,000 words short, which is quite a bit. Uh, but I, I, I kind of was diagnosing some of the word count and, and thinking through, you know, why was it 42 and not 50, you know, 50 is a good goal. It's kind of a nano NaNoWriMo per month. Uh, and that's very doable, uh, for me between all the different projects I write fiction and nonfiction. But, uh, I realized that I was doing a lot of editing. Uh, I had, uh, one full length novel that I'm editing that I wrote a while back, uh, editing another one that I finished and, uh, and, and, and some other work. And so, so with the editing, Uh, there's not as much adding of words. It's uh, often only a few hundred, um, taking out of words, all those kinds of things. So there's just a lot of editing going on. Um, that's not an excuse, but it just is what it is. Sometimes I have to just choose editing kind of takes a lot out of me. So had to crank on some other days, but, uh, but yeah, really encouraged by that. And just want to encourage you, uh, whatever your rhythm is, whatever your way is, don't beat yourself up, but, but set those goals and get those words out and just keep working on, keep chipping away at that novel and that project that you have. And before long you realize, wow, there's a, there's a manuscript in front of me. There's a rough draft in front of me. There's a book in front of me. And, and that's why this podcast exists. I don't don't want to just talk about being prolific, but I also want to practice what I preach and, and, and get those words on the page. So with further ado, um, oh, let me say one more thing: um, is leave a review on iTunes. Prolific Writer Podcast, love to have feedback. We've been having a great response, a lot of great guests, a lot of great uh, listeners, a lot of tons of downloads. Uh, go to iTunes, look up the Prolific Writer, leave an honest review. Love to have those reviews; that really helps us get uh, the show out into the world. And uh, if you want to check out past episodes, go to iTunes, Stitcher. Or you can check out Rockhouse Publishing slash podcast and get that uh, Facebook page. All that good stuff is there, too. Hope everybody's having a great day. Hope you're getting those words done. And I uh, hope you enjoy this interview with Wayne Stinnett. Mm-hmm. good to have you on the show Wayne and um in uh North Carolina excuse me I said North South Carolina and uh and those of you that read his books know that a lot of his books are based in Florida so talk a little bit about just your um inspiration for writing books in Florida
1: well that's where I grew up uh I visited the Keys for the first time when I was about 14 years old and just fell in love with it and uh when I when I became an adult, I went I was down there every chance I could get, and finally moved down there for a while and lived on a boat. And it's just the uh, the perfect place for the protagonist or the antagonist protagonist to live.
0: Now, when you write in the world of Florida, and maybe. Maybe I don't know if you would know this answer or not, but uh, are your fans that enjoy your books? Um, do are they Floridians, or is it just kind of all over the map, or does it really matter, or is it kind of both and?
1: That's that's a good question. I, I look at uh, the on uh, Amazon. I look at sales. Of course, it's paperback sales, but it's got a geograph You can look at it geographically over the last four weeks, eight weeks, fifty-two weeks, and so on, and uh, it. When I first started out, most of my sales were in the Orlando, Melbourne area where I grew up and in Greenville where I was living. And it's slowly spread out. Now my biggest areas are sometimes, but not all the times. Uh, let's see. Last week, the biggest area was uh, Colorado and uh, Utah.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. That was – and. All the usual spots were way down to number seven and eight, Orlando and Miami and uh, St Pete. But yeah, it's all over the map now.
0: <laughs> so would you say that that you're because it's so geographically specific and your you know you get into a lot of the details and um, but do you think for a lot of people, do you think that really matters? I mean, even if they, they don't live there, I mean, is it just they're so just kind of immersed in the world and it's an interesting setting? Um, any, any feedback just from fans and emails and all that kind of stuff?
1: Well, this time of year, I get a lot of emails from uh, readers who say that I've taken them away to a warmer climate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of people are snowed in this time of year and just oh, sure. cur- curling up with a good book and uh, just get someplace where it's warm.
0: Yeah, that, I think that's the beauty of books and and reading is that we forget that it's really about being whisked off into another another place and
1: yeah, I mean, even it's, if it's only in your mind. No, sure. I mean, you can feel if, if if the writer's good, you can you can feel the salt breeze, you can feel the spray on your face. So it
0: well, I would say you're doing a good job. I, I've uh, uh, i read the first book in your series and actually got exposed to you from your nonfiction book about writing, kind of uh, very inspirational and tells a little bit about your story. And why don't we get a little into that? Um, oh, you know, your nonfiction book about, you know, truck driver to writer, um, I thought is really cool, caught my eye. And um, I heard you on a couple other podcasts and things. And um, so talk a little bit about just your journey. I know your writing career and, and really the writing part actually started years and years ago um but you came to kind of this this fork in the road and decided to kind of make the plunge into writing so talk a little bit about that
1: yeah it was uh back in the 80s when i was uh living on the boat down in, in the keys uh, i started making up stories and uh later on uh, when i moved back to melbourne i started doing a lot more of it and st- submitted to several uh publishers and uh Uh, agents but never went anywhere you know nobody wanted to buy short stories in in the 80s and you couldn't self-publish then so i just set everything aside and life went on and uh then the self-publishing world came around of course i was real late getting on (laughs) getting on the bus but uh uh, by the time i got on self-publishing had been around for eight or eight or nine years i think and uh it, it just kind of just kind of took off from there. Originally, I'd hoped to sell enough books to buy some power tools and get off the road and start uh, building boats or cabinets or whatever. And, uh, it didn't take long to figure out that the writing itself could replace my income without having to work so hard.
0: So, when you kind of got decided, I, I love that part you told in your story about you know writing books and stories in the back of your you know cab of your truck as your you know hauling across the United States. Um, You you mentioned in, I think in your bio that part of some of the short stories you were writing were kind of the seed or the origin of the books, your, um, you know, fallen series or your Jesse McDermott series. Um, So yeah, talk about that. How did you kind of take that little germ germination of a story and then kind of flush it out into like a bigger, bigger work?
1: Well, uh, several friends had told me that uh, I should, I should take up writing and write a book. And, um, then my wife came across my divorce documents from my first marriage, and on the back of it, I'd handwritten several chapters. <laughs> back this was back in, back in the '80s, you know, you had to handwrite everything sure. before you type it up. And uh, she she said it, it sounded like a pretty good story, so I, I thought, well, I'll just take that and just kind of expand on it. And uh, it took a while to find the old floppy disks that the the stories were on. I mean, the real fl- the floppy floppy disks, the big five-and-a-quarter-inch ones. Mm-hmm. And then I had to find a computer that had a floppy disk drive. And uh, it after a while, I, I got the stories downloaded, put them on disk, and uploaded them to Microsoft Word and just went through and read them all. And they were terrible. I could understand why they never got published. But uh, I thought, man, I could do a whole lot better than this. So I just kind of took the... The first, the first two stories, the best two stories, and they became uh, Fallen Palm, which was the first book I wrote. And then uh, another story became the first half of Fallen Hunter, and then I kind of winged it after that. And then after Fallen Pride, I went back and wrote Fallen Out as a prequel to the whole series. And uh, after that, things just took off. I mean, it was I'd, I'd replaced my income already. And so it didn't take long for me to the boss to push the wrong buttons. And I just handed him the keys with a big <laughs> grin on my face.
0: So when you were starting to put push out your work, um, what, what was kind of the strategy? Was it just throw it up there? Maybe, maybe somebody, <laughs> will, somebody will read it or.
1: No, I had no, I had no strategy, had no plan whatsoever. Uh, the first book I typed the end and I, made a quick cover and I published it and uh, that was a big mistake. I got I got tons of bad reviews on that uh, for uh, uh, poor editing. <laughs> they, little did they know there was no editing at all. I hadn't even read it. And uh, so I learned a lesson from that. You need to reread your book. <laughs> Have somebody else read it too. So uh, things just kind of, they kind of took a natural course, I guess, just uh, one, one thing after another, just slowly developing and learning.
0: Well, it sounds like, I mean, people were, were, you know, despite the maybe bad reviews or the bad editing, like people are still enjoying the stories. Is that is that kind of the case um, as you're, you know, you kind of felt like there's something here?
1: Well, the first book sold exactly 23 copies until I saw, published the second book. That was over uh, almost three months time. Mm-hmm. And when I published the second book, on December eighteenth, twenty thirteen, in the last two weeks of December, both books sold 100, over a hundred each, and uh, I, I was able to to afford a little bit better editing after that. Some editing, anyway, but better than what I did.
0: Sure. So, so you kind of you, you just decided I'm gonna they're out there, but now I'm gonna go back. I mean, that's the beauty of self publishing right you can go back edit them clean them up yeah and then you just kept kept writing the series
1: yeah i i I took uh after i published fallen hunter the, the, the second book uh a friend of mine offered to uh edit for me and she was a retired english teacher so i said yeah okay here you go so i sent her the files and two weeks later she i got a package in the mail uh printed papers with red writing all over. She's an <laughs> English teacher. <laughs> so that, that, that was great for the, you know, for just starting out. She, it was, you know, I paid her $50 for her time and everything was hunky dory. And then, uh, after I published Fallen Out, I realized that I really need some serious professional help. And so I sent all four books to, uh, Clio Editing Service and she took about, four weeks to get them all back to me. And then I republished everything, brand new covers, nice, just everything as, as best and as professional as I could make it.
0: Okay. Yeah. It sounds like that's a a common thing in the kind of indie space is, you know, shipping the work, getting it out there and then, you know, making the best you can, obviously with what you have, you know, whatever money you have, because obviously editing, editing can get expensive and very expensive. yeah, Yeah. And then coming back and saying, okay, um, you know, maybe we could take it another level, you know, when, when was that point where you, you, you kind of decide, you know, how much more do I polish this? How much more do I, you know, do I start losing this story? I mean, is there a point where you just say, okay, enough's enough. Now i will just move on to the next story.
1: Um, I pretty much, as soon as I finish one story, that one's done. I send it to the beta readers and I start writing the, the, another, another book this very next day. And I I don't do any polishing to it. I leave that to my beta readers. They'll pull out all the problems with it. I've got a great bunch of betas, and uh, they find all the holes in the plots, all the dead ends, everything. And by the time I get their comments back and rewrite it, and it goes to the editor, it's it's a pretty clean manuscript. I mean, these these people have been with me for a long time, and they don't they don't pull any punches. They don't worry about hurting my feelings because they know they won't. I don't have any. Thanks <laughs> uh, They do. They do a really great job, and that, that's that's a that's a big a big secret. Uh, having people that you can trust that aren't gonna sugarcoat anything. If they tell you your your writing is just terrible, or this paragraph, and it just tear it up and throw it away, then that's what I do. I tear it up and throw it away. Sure. So these are these are my core readers. There's 20, I got, I have 24 beta readers, usually only about five or 10 will participate with each book because I have a really short, really short window for them to finish. Mm -hmm. But, uh, they do a great job.
0: So how do you, how do you manage? I know a lot of people use beta readers and, you know, some use, you know, one beta reader or two or whatever you know, how do you manage all the different opinions, all the different comments? I mean, is there a way to kind of sift through that? Or do you kind of take them all, you know, decide which ones you're going to use? How, how do you kind of work through that process?
1: When I first started, it it was all through email. And that got to be really old because I'd get an email with the same exact, you know, the same exact corrections or uh, observations. And there might be one in this email that wasn't in this email or might be two in this one that wasn't in that one. And so I, I, I set up a Facebook page, made it a private page. You can't find it. Nobody can ask to join it. And, uh, I invited all my beta readers and now I just post it on the Facebook page. They download it, whatever file they want. Uh, and, uh, we start discussing it right there in real time. And usually it takes about, usually about four days and, at least five or six of them have read the whole book. Well, some of them read it all in the first six or seven hours. And this way, others who are a little bit slower can go to the Facebook page, scroll down. Okay. They've already touched on that. They've already touched on that. Okay. Well, here's something I found. And it, it goes really, really fast that way. And and there's a whole, a whole lot less confusion.
0: That sounds like a great strategy. I mean, you know, instead of just kind of throwing out the wide net and, you know, hoping somebody, you know, does it for you, but you have very, it sounds like very selective, you know, people that want to do it and do it fast. And, you know, obviously you can't, you know, you're in a group together and you, you know, there's not just weirdos stalking you.
1: <laughs> yeah, And th- these are, these are all uh, professionals in their field. Uh, I, I've I chose them very carefully. I've got, uh, well, my, my books have a lot of boating action. They have a lot of, that mostly take place in the keys uh, there's a lot of flying and i've got air traffic controllers and pilots for beta readers i've got uh, a marine sniper who owns his own uh, security company in California for the stars uh, just and j- just doctors nurses so I, I pick the beta readers for the for the books depending on what's in the book if there's a whole lot of flying in it, then I really want these two pilots in my air traffic controller because last thing you want is get emails from pilots saying, hey, that's not how this goes. <laughs>
0: right. No, that's smart. I mean, I think that's – you I obviously thought that through as specific. You know, I think there's, two. there's something about beta readers that they're not necessarily editors um, and they're not writers, and I think sometimes you, there's more of a kind of objective – you know they're just looking at story and they 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 probably read a lot so they 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 understand story so i've heard yeah. heard people say that that you don't really want necessarily other writers cuz they can be sometimes they can be more critical and um you know and there's probably certain things you're looking for too like as far as story you know plot holes and right. inconsistencies to, I, and all that i have
1: to remind them all the time don't worry about the grammar don't worry about the punctuation don't worry about the spelling mistakes right just read the story and find the holes and the dead ends because the editors are going to find all those sure. grammar mistakes. Sure. And I make a ton of those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's back up just a little bit. We'll get more into kind of nuts and bolts stuff. Um, and your, your process is fascinating, but um, we have a, a common love and that's James D. McDonald. And uh, you, you talk a lot about that on your, your website and just bio and things about uh, just the, reading his books and enjoying his books. You know, they're all set, and the, you know, the Travis McGee and the, you know, it's all set in Florida. Um, talk a little bit about just the, the influence he's had on you, and just as you think about your series and writing in Florida and all of that.
1: Well, I've read I've read the Travis McGee novels, uh, all twenty one of them, six times, hmm. and I thought, well, with the direction I'm turning, uh, the new series, it's still the same characters, but it's a new series. It's going to be a mystery series, more in in the. In the same direction that the uh, Travis McGee books were, I thought, well, I haven't read any of those books in twenty years. So right now, I started reading Deep Blue Goodbye a couple of days ago, and on the first page, he's talking. Travis is talking about plotting a course to to a party spot in the Content Keys. I thought, whoa, that's where Jesse lives, <laughs> and I wrote. That whole this whole ten book series, not even realizing just how much he's influenced my writing, and how much he's influenced me. I mean, his despise of credit cards. I don't own credit cards. His despise of new things. I don't buy new stuff. I, I buy used cars, and I have become Travis McGee. Uh-huh. It's crazy.
0: Isn't it amazing how you know? Our- if you're if you're a reader, how your subconscious just kind of picks up these themes and these ideas, and you're kind of like, I don't know where these yeah. come from, but they're there.
1: How how old are you, Ryan?
0: Uh, I'm almost forty.
1: Okay, well, the Travis McGee series, I mean, it's it's dated. The Deep Blue Goodbye was written in 1964, so it's kind of hard to read it today, knowing things are are the way they are. But I read Deep Blue Goodbye in 1970. And I was all the way through the series when John D. McDonald passed away, and I was waiting for the next book. And I remember at 16 years old, I got my driver's license. I drove down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, found Bahiamar uh, Marina, and was looking all over for Slip F-18, but it wasn't there.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Uh, I just uh, picked up his, um, not his, but somebody wrote a, a pretty good biography on him. And, uh, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the title off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, he's, he's considered a pulp writer and kind of got mm-hmm. his start in pulp writing and, you know, just cranks out the books. I mean, do you, do you kind of model yourself as a, you call yourself a pulp writer or how, how do you think about that?
1: I I really don't know what a pulp writer is. I, I, I'm not real savvy about the writing business. Well, the business aspect of it, business is business, but mm-hmm. the writing, uh, I'm not real clear on what the genre lines are between I mean my books are they're classified as action adventure but there's very little action. Mm-hmm. If you read the reviews you'll think there's a ton of action but there's really not. There's only maybe four or five action sequences throughout the book. But I leave I kind of leave, you know, chapters hanging at an action at a peak action scene and then jump to another scene. And so I guess people reading that, they they see it as just non-stop action, but if it were to be classified properly, it would be adventure, mm-hmm. not so much action.
0: Sure. Yeah, I, you know, the pulp writers were, you know, 30s and 40s and 50s, I mean, kind of the idea that, you know, they didn't do a lot of rewriting, they didn't do a lot of, you know, they just worked on the next story and just cranked out you know, hundreds and hundreds of stories and, you know, John McDonald was a guy who, you know, I think, oh, yeah. I think he's, he he's went to, to Harvard, was that... Yeah, yeah. He went to Harvard, and you know, his dad thought he was going to be a you know a general manager or you know whatever, but said I'm going to be a writer, and so he just started cranking out stories.
1: Yeah. He's he's he published like fifty or sixty books. Right. I mean, twenty one of them were in the Travis McGee series, but I mean, all these other great great pieces of literature.
0: Yeah, I I mentioned in the email that you know, I finished Cape Fear, which I forget. What do you remember the original title? It's not it's not Cape Fear actually
1: no it um, wasn't um
0: something else but then when the movies came out they called it cape fear and and all that but but you know it's amazing that that story actually really does still hold up really well um mm-hmm. it's it is it's the way he writes is just very very good and you know suspenseful
1: um, well if you if you get past the the very dated dialogue in in the travis mcgino mm-hmm. most of most of uh, John McDonald's musings on South Florida and overdevelopment and the government and everything still just as true today. And it's still just as applicable today as it ever
0: was. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I was, I, I was just reading the one as it has a crimson in the title. Um, I forget they're all colors, but um, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, really good stuff. Um, so, so along those lines, this is kind of a question I was, I've been thinking about is because your series and obviously it sounds like you're starting a new series, but, You know, there's so much rooted in Florida. Is there ever a point where just you're kind of sick of Florida, or you're just I got to write something else? I got to go to a different location. I mean, how do you how do you kind of in your own process as you're kind of working through these books? um, Does that ever get boring to you?
1: No, not really. Um, Jesse has a boat; he doesn't have to stay in Florida. Hmm. (laughs) He he gets down to uh, Cuba, uh, the Yucatan Peninsula, all the way through the. The, all, he's he's all over the Caribbean at at one point or another. Uh, he's crisscrossing the Bahamas in uh, Fallen Tide or Fallen Angel, back and forth from the Bahamas to South Carolina. I had to write when I when I first moved here. I had to write about this area. I, I got it. I got a boat and I got out on the water for the first time in 15 years and fell in love with it. And so Fallen Angel is set right here in Beaufort.
0: So. So in your mind, I mean, your creativity, you're saying, hey, I got, a, I got a boat. I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. I can.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if yeah. I get sick of Florida, I'm out of here. He's not stuck right there on marathon.
0: I love that. Um, so let, let's get back into a little bit of the, the your process is, you know, you're very, very consistent, um, you know, a couple books a year at least. Um, and so talk a little bit about just kind of, you know, maybe even start with, your beginning process. So when you're, when you said, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is my job. You know, here's how I'm going to do it. And then kind of maybe as you've kind of evolved as far as the actual putting the words on the paper, what does kind of your routine look like? You know, do you outline, do you pants, all that kind of stuff?
1: I've, I've been a pantser since day one. And, uh, the w- book I'm working on now, reckless charity, um, is it's the charity style series is a spinoff of, of the Jesse McDermott f- series. But, I, I've been hearing all, all this talk about how plotting makes things go faster. Well, the last book I wrote, I started writing just notes of what I wanted to do in the following chapters, and it did go faster. So I bought a whole bunch of books, learned how to outline, and created about three quarters of an outline, and then just kind of chucked it and started writing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a pantser. I, I, I strive for a thousand words a day. I can write a 1,000 words a day. That's three novels a year.
0: What would you say is your kind of average size word count for your novel?
1: Uh, The shortest is just barely 50,000. The longest is 113. I I shoot for about 70,000, 70,000 to 75,000. But sometimes, you know, the, the story's over when it's over, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer.
0: So you don't try to force that? I mean, it sounds like people that outline, it's like sometimes you can say, okay, it's got to be this long and this is the end of the story, but you just kind of let the characters do what they need to do?
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be at least 60000 And uh, I strive for uh, $75,000, but sometimes it comes in a little bit short. Uh, Fallen Tide was uh, only
0: 65000 Do you ever... Do you ever? I'm always interested in this question. Do you ever get any feedback as far as uh, you know length of story? I mean, is there like a sweet spot that people say you know, oh, it's too short, oh, it's too long? I mean, or is there there kind of a you know ever get any feedback on that?
1: I've had reviews just like everybody else that said it's too short, not worth the money, mm-hmm. and that was on my longest book. And I've, <laughs> I've I've had you know others say that it was the perfect perfect length. And it was on my shortest book, so I think it has a lot to do with how long it takes the reader to read it. If they're if they're not really interested, if they don't really just jump in and oh wow this is great, uh, then it's it's going to seem like a short book because mm-hmm. it's going to take them forever to read it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny we always we think you know oh this book is you know it's so short and then you you know you look it up and you go man was 100,000 it was a hundred thousand words it's because it's a really good story yeah. you know just kind of blaze through it um so um more of a pantser now the you said you're thinking about outline i think i read your latest newsletter and you're you're trying an outline you said you chucked it i mean is that are you are you just kind of like hey i'm done i'm not outlining I tried. It, was, it
1: it was practice okay uh, the the next the next book the, the first book in the uh the Rising series. The, this will be Rising Storm. Uh, it'll have the same same main characters as before, but uh, now they're out of the. They're no longer tied with the government and they're in private practice. So, and it's going to be more of a mystery series. And mysteries, let me tell you, they got to be plotted. Mm-hmm. You have to. You you just can't drop twenty or thirty clues along the way and then remember them. You have to know what they are beforehand and put them in, put them in in the right place. You have to have the right pacing for a mystery. Um, it's going to be fun. It'll be a little different, but, uh, I'll, I'll figure out how to do it.
0: Now, are you still going to stay in the Jesse McDermott series down the road? Are you just kind of kind of flip flopping on series, or what, what's your kind of plans for that? Or maybe that's that's not common well, th- knowledge.
1: This this is a new series, but like I said, it's the same characters, same same subtitle. The okay. First book will be Rising Storm, a Jesse McDermott novel. Oh, okay. Caribbean gotcha. Adve- Caribbean mystery series, as opposed to the Convi- Caribbean adventure series. Gotcha. And then the charity books or the Caribbean thriller series.
0: I think that's fun. I, I, um, when, when authors use kind of the same characters, the same settings or take a character and kind of put them in maybe in a different situation and kind of use the same world as the, the backdrop. I've seen a lot of authors kind of doing that.
1: I'm, I'm doing that with, with charity characters that were in the Jesse books are suddenly appearing in, I mean, it's, it's a small world in the Caribbean. If you're, if you're in, if you're in the uh, cruising lifestyle and you're all around in, in the Keys and everything, you run into people over and over again. And so some of these some of these small characters that were in one of the some of the Jesse books are appearing in the charity books now. And I've, I've even exchanged characters with other writers. You can find Jesse and Rusty cruising around in uh, uh, Steve Becker's books. Huh i myself am a character in don mckenna's books <laughs> she's a character in a couple of mine <laughs> that's
0: great i love that so um let's talk about kind of your um you know i don't want to say it's the psychology of writing but but it's more the the you know do you work in the morning do you work at night what's kind of your sweet spot just how you kind of know yourself your own writing kind of process as far as when you when you actually do it when's your best times what are you learning about yourself in that
1: well they they say that the most uh your brain is at it's most creative when you first wake up and i try to write for when i first wake up but i've got other things i have to take care of i've got a child in school she's got i got to get her to school but uh I try to get all my writing done before noon, and then my wife and I can go and enjoy a walk around the block or take the dog for a walk or go feed the ducks or whatever, just go have lunch or whatever. And uh, then I take care of the business in the afternoon, and sometimes that goes until midnight.
0: (laughs) So uh, going – going along that, so as far as like the business side of, of things, w- when you were kind of starting, you, you, you said, you know, you just kind of threw it up there, threw the books up there. Um, you know, hopefully some people would read it, bad editing, you know, um, bad reviews, and then started cleaning them up. And then what was the kind of the point where you said, okay, the, people are people are buying these things. And, you know, when did you start figuring out kind of a strategy to, to promote and get, get get the word out? What did that look like in the beginning?
1: That would be, uh, about halfway through 2014, after I released Fallen Out, the fourth, fourth book, first one in the series. I realized that I got to put a lot more into this. I mean, people are expecting a certain level of professionalism. And to deliver that, you have to spend the money. Uh, where I used to spend 50 to $100, now I'm spending, uh, closer to 5,000 before publication. For a really good cover, cover art, cover work, editing, proofreading, formatting, and just, I mean, it used to be I'd type the end and the book would be published within a couple of days. Now I type the end and it's not published for a month later. It's got a lot of work left to be done. But uh, you you get to the point, you can't do it all at once. If you're starting out, you can't afford $5,000. Sure. $50, Fifty dollars, yeah, and then come back and clean it up later after your books start earning a little bit of money, and you just keep reusing the money that the books earn to clean things up and make things better.
0: And so, uh, as far as you know, getting the quality up, obviously, but I mean, people weren't just you know rushing to buy your book just because they were quality. I mean, what else did you kind of do to to say, hey, check out my book?
1: Nothing really. Um, it, it, when I first started, I didn't even discover keyboards. I didn't know what bookbub was. Hmm. I didn't even know what ebooks were <laughs> until after I published the first book, <laughs> I published it as a paperback because hmm. that's what I read i didn't have a I didn't have a Kindle, and I didn't know anybody had had a Kindle and then the following Christmas, I got a Kindle for Christmas, and I thought, "Oh, this is pretty cool." <laughs> I started discovering indie authors and i this dollars hey, two ninety nine for a book. I've been paying 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's just a continuous learning process. I'm still learning stuff today and just, I'm just, but to get back to your question, it wasn't until, uh, after i published the third book, I didn't, I applied for a book, ad and, and, uh, got it. And things took off like gangbusters after that. And I, applied for another book, Bob, on the second book. I got got it. I went seven for seven with the first seven times I applied to book, Bob. Hmm. They accepted it. And that just really kicked everything in gear. Hmm.
0: Any other promotional things you find helpful just today? I mean, you know, 2000, what are we, beginning of
1: 2017? Uh, AMS, Amazon Marketing System Service. Uh, that's, That's getting to be... It, when it first, when they first started, it was a whole lot easier. Now you have to, you have to really sharpen your stick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's still, it's, it's going to be productive. I mean, for every, I get a bill every two or three weeks from Amazon for four or $500 and I don't worry about it because it's, I know that it's made that back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's also one of the best mechanisms for selling paperbacks I found yet. Mm-hmm. My paperback sales have gone up. 200, 300% since August when I started Amazon ads.
0: Wow. Is, uh, you have pretty active um, fans on your newsletter, your um, email list?
1: Yeah, my email list is 100% organic. Everybody that signs up is aware that they're going to get two emails a month. I talk to them. I ask them questions. I ask for advice. I ask for help naming characters. Uh, some, some of my readers... Some of my subscribers have become characters. Uh names of boats, names of airplanes, things like that. Have contests, give away a Kindle every couple of months. Um uh I give away at least once a week I give away um audiobooks and uh I have an interaction with them and it's grown to over thirty two hundred on my mailing list now. And they know that when I release a book it's gonna be discounted for a couple of days before it goes up to the regular price. And when I release a book now I send that email out, I know I'm going to get 1,000 sales on the first day without fail.
0: That's great. What would you say is the most surprising thing um, about your writing career so far? I mean, you've obviously had a huge transition from truck driver to writer. (laughs) uh, Yeah. And what would you say is just the most surprising part?
1: That the level of success you can reach, if you have a good story and you can tell it well and you can get some fairly decent editing and get a nice cover, you can you can make a living doing this. And now all of a sudden, I mean, it's only it's not even been three years since I quit my job. And it's I live today. I live in a whole lot nicer house and a whole lot nicer neighborhood driving a whole lot nicer car well my wife is i'm still driving 94 pickup (laughs) but uh i never i I never thought it would be anything like that that's that's been the biggest surprise is the level of just the sheer level of success that is available
0: yeah i I love that you and blue collar to no collar or no collar to blue collar which they get that backwards. Um, it, you talk a lot about that. It's a very inspiring book if you haven't checked it out. So check out Blue Collar No Collar if you're listening. Um, and you actually do talk about that in the book. is just the the surprise of I can't believe this is happening and, you know. Oh,
1: dude. When you sp- wake up in the morning and you turn your computer on and realize that in the six or seven hours that you were asleep, you made four or $500. <laughs> I never made, you know that that was that was a good two days of truck driving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's just unbelievable, unfathomable, fathomable, yeah.
0: So, how do you keep your level of um, creativity, imagination, excitement? Anything you can kind of share with our audience as far as? Just, you know, the, the personal side, the, you know, the, the, your family, you have family and kids and, and, but I mean, how do you kind of get to the computer every day and still be excited about writing stories and, and, you know, living life?
1: Well, the the creative part of it, that's, that's always just come natural. Even when I was just a little kid, I'd, me and my brothers and my cousins would sit around, we'd be sitting around playing a game and I'd start telling a story, just making it up as I go. And uh, so I'm, I've just always been a really good storyteller. We sit around the campfire. Well, we have a campfire in our backyard now, and we'll sit around there and I'll tell stories, just making stuff up as I go. Sometimes they even work their way into a book. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the, to maintain the energy and the process, it, it, it requires you to develop a habit. You have to get into a, you have to have a habit of writing every day. And if you, if you set a a habit to, if you make it a habit to write a thousand words a day to the point where you're having withdrawal symptoms if you haven't done it, done your writing that day. And I'm kind of jittery right now because I haven't written a word today. (laughs) But, uh, I went to Marine Corps graduation over on Paris Island. And, uh, um, but to maintain that, you have to develop that habit. And it's, a thousand words isn't really hard. I mean, most people will write a thousand words on Facebook in a day. So it's it's not all that difficult. But uh, if you can do that consistently, a thousand words, and I've cut it back to just weekdays now, 5,000 words a week. That's going to give me a uh, a 60,000 word novel in 12 weeks. And then another month to publish, and there you go, four months. Three novels a year.
0: So, when you write, do you are you a rewriter? Are you do you edit as you go? So, those are a thousand words. Are they pretty clean? Um, talk about that.
1: Um, I, I edit the previous two writing sessions every time before I start writing. That does that does two things for. Me. Excuse me, I'm trying to pick up a dog. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, by doing that, you you're self-editing the book twice, but. Just just by editing the previous two days of writing. At the end of the day, when I'm done writing, I'll just type the word count, and then I'll give it a style heading, and it'll appear over in the table of contents. The next day when I start writing, I, I'll have three numbers over there. I'll go back and erase that smallest number and start editing, reading as I go, and adding, subtracting, making changes. And then when I get to the bottom, my head's back in the story, and the, the words just flow. And then at the end of that day, I write another word, and there I got three word, three three numbers over there on the on the left. But uh, it definitely it definitely makes it a lot easier to keep track of things.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I find it interesting. I, I I really like that strategy. That's kind of a little bit what I do, and I'm not saying I'm right or you're right, but but I do hear a lot of advice. You know, just just write it through. Don't even look back. Don't. But I, I just find that if you don't, you could be just writing really nothing that connects with the past work and it's just a mess. And then you have to do so much more editing at the end. And I think a lot of times yeah. people don't share their work is because they get to the editing part. It's so overwhelming. I mean, you're trying to edit this, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 word thing. And it just exactly. takes forever, you know, and then you just you, you want to give
1: you wanna up. Do, you want to <laughs> edit it twice mm-hmm. before, before you send it to beta readers and editors. And, by doing by editing the previous two days, in essence, when you get to the end, you've edited everything twice except for yesterday and today. Mm-hmm. So you edit yesterday, and then you edit today twice, and you're done.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. That's good. That's good. I think people need to take your advice. It's a advice. whole lot easier. To,
1: it's a whole lot easier to edit two thousand words than it is seventy thousand.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Yep. Yeah. There's just too much going on, and you miss things and. Yeah, I, I, early on, I, that was my struggle was just writing straight through, not looking at it, and then coming back and just being like, "What in the world happened?" I don't even know, you know, where I am, and and then it just the editing process is just can be a nightmare. Um, so, so Wayne, as we we kind of move towards the end here, I don't want to take all your your day. I know you said you need to need to write. So, um, when you think about kind of starting out starting out aspiring writers, even those that have been writing for a while, what would be some just advice you'd kind of give those that are just just kind of starting out, hearing your story, they're encouraged, they're inspired, hey, I can can do this, Um, what would you say to them?
1: Don't give up. Uh, When you publish your first book, your mom and your sister are going to buy a copy (laughs) and then your best friend might buy a copy a week later and you're going to get real disillusioned because that First book, that first breakout novel, didn't become a number one bestseller. None of them do. Uh, very rare. It's like it's one in a million. Is a you, you have a better chance of winning the lottery twice and getting struck by lightning both times when you walk out of the store. Uh, but the second book, when you publish the second book, things will start to change. Sales will creep up. Instead of one or two sales a week, it might be two or three a day, and it'll just start slowly creeping. And the more books you add to to your backlist, the it's like exponential how the sales curve upward. But I'd just say, don't give up. I That's good. Plan plan to write two books before you even look at sales.
0: Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, that's where people usually fizzle out. It's, you know, hey, everyone's saying just put it up there in Indie World and self-publishing and, you know, everybody's Hugh Howie and everybody else. But, you know, the reality is you got to build up that, that list, you know, that digital bookshelf. Well, if books if you
1: own. talk to Hugh, he'll tell you the same thing. His book didn't do very well. His first book didn't do very well at all. Sure. It sure. wasn't until after he'd written a couple right. that he started getting a name.
0: And I find it interesting your story, too. It, it's not like you decided in 2013 to start writing but you've been writing for years and years and years so it's not like you just came to the page cold but uh you've been honing the craft at least thinking about stories and trying to write stories so i think that's most people's story they don't realize that even the people that hit it big you know there's a there's a story behind the story
1: Mm -hmm.
0: not their first rodeo as they say yeah so good advice on that now secondly Tell us a little bit if people aren't on your your newsletter and they need to. It's a great newsletter. Um, What are you working on? What are you excited about? What projects you got going on? And, um, yeah, then tell us where we can find you.
1: Well, like I said, I'm working on the the third book in the Charity Styles Caribbean Thriller Series. And uh, as soon as that's finished, I'll start the first mystery. And I'm really excited about that. I'm hoping to do two before the end of the year. But uh, I'll be taking a month off this summer so I can play with my daughter. And uh, I'll be attending a few conferences this year, the the Nink Conference in uh, September and the Key West Mystery Fest in June. Uh, those are always a lot of fun. Uh, to find me, it's uh, www.waynestennett.com. And uh, from there, you can navigate to my blog and uh, sign up for my newsletter, buy my books. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Well, hey, Wayne, we really appreciate the time, and uh, this episode is going to help a lot of people, so thanks for coming on.
1: Well, I sure appreciate it, Ryan.
0: Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for stopping by the Prolific Writer Podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes so we can help more writers share their stories with the world and head over to rockhousepublishing.com for books, resources and other writing and publishing tips. See you next time.